Hey there, Pulse Check listeners. This is Jeremy Siegel continuing our series on the coronavirus pandemic. The VA was the first place to issue a federal vaccine mandate for its employees. Now, months later, we're starting to get a glimpse into how the mandate is actually working out. And the numbers are promising, but still troubling. There's tens of thousands of people within the federal government, despite a mandate and despite the fact that Some of them, many of them, we don't know how many, are probably working with the public who are still unvaccinated. Today on the show, Natasha Karecki on how vaccine mandates are playing out in the real world. So the VA was basically at the forefront of vaccine mandates. In late July, the Veterans Affairs Secretary initiated the rule requiring all of the department's 380,000 health workers to show proof of vaccination by October 8th, about a month ago. What has happened since then? So what what's happened is, you know, we're start, we're starting to see how difficult it is to actually pinpoint a precise answer on that, right? So we cannot with certainty say Okay, um, now we have 75% people who have been vaccinated because what they're publicly releasing is they're saying, here's the number of people who are complying with the rules we set up. And compliance can mean that you are filing for an exception. Interesting. So we don't have data on the actual number of people at the VA who are fully vaccinated, but we we have data on people who are vaccinated or have an exemption of some sort, people who are following the rules of the mandate, which allows for certain exemptions. What do those numbers show? Yeah, so the number they put out is that 90% of their total workforce, which is 422,000 people, um, have complied, meaning they have either filed for a health or religious exception or they have been vaccinated. But to to kind of give you a little bit more of a sense, we do know that of those 380,000 people, um, healthcare workers, they were at 80% vaccination three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do know that there was, you know, a pretty sizable chunk of those employees who had been vaccinated as of three weeks ago. Hmm. So a month after the deadline for VA employees across the agency, 90% of them are complying with the mandate in one way or another. And then for the healthcare workers specifically, we know that three weeks ago, at least 80% of them were vaccinated. In a way, both of those sound really good. 80% of health workers vaccinated, 90% who are vaccinated or have a valid exemption. Um, But at the same time, when you think about that 90%, including, you know, potential exemptions, not just full vaccinations. And then also think about 10 percent when we're talking about hundreds of thousands of employees at the agency. That isn't insignificant. What do you make of how this mandate has actually turned out? Right. I mean, it's a really good question. I mean, so if, if your main intent with this mandate was to, you know, prompt people to really take this seriously, say whether you're vaccinated or not, get vaccinated if you weren't, it seems like it's moved significantly in that direction. You know, one marker that I thought was really interesting is is when the first deadline hit, which was October 8th, 
they had 70% compliance of the 380,000 healthcare workers. And just as an aside, the reason those people went first was because they worked in, in, in veterans facilities, either visiting them, had direct contact with patients as doctors, nurses, dentists, chiropractors. Um, so these are, you know, a lot of those people are people who are directly contacting the public and, and their veterans who they are charged of, of taking care of. So having said that, that is why it was so important to the VA, they said, to to make sure that those people were the first to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So we do know from the first deadline that was 70 percent, they, they started something called counseling. And every single person who had not reported, their supervisor had to reach out to them and say something to them about it. A week later, they were at 80%. Hmm. So that meant that most there was a lot of people who had been vaccinated already, just didn't know how to upload their cards or send their cards in or, you know, just were missed the deadline overall. That that makes me curious. How are the people who are not vaccinated, who are not following the rule at this point, like people who were asked to provide proof for a valid exemption or something, but didn't end up doing that. How are they being punished, if at all? Are these people getting fired from the VA? Are they having to work from home? Do we know what's happening here? They could eventually be fired. They are not having to work from home yet. They're going through um, a, a what they call a progressive disciplinary um, process. And, and what that means is basically they're, you know, they're talking more to their supervisors. Their supervisors are making clear to them, this is what could happen if you do not comply. What Dennis McDonough, the secretary of, of the VA, has explicitly said, like, yes, we will fire you if you do not get vaccinated. But there's a lot that will happen between now and then. So ultimately, it could take months before you're actually fired. And they're hoping I mean, their main goal is to get people vaccinated. So they don't want to fire people. I mean, that is what I'm, I'm getting from them. You know, they, they want their goal is to get people vaccinated. But if you if, if they can narrow down the people who are saying to them, there's no, I'm not going to be there's no way I will never do it. Those are the people they're going to start. What you can imagine is a lengthy process of the federal government trying to terminate you over a medical requirement. And then there's the legal end of that, too, I imagine. There's so many legal challenges happening, right? There's every legal challenge you can imagine, um, you know, infringement on individual rights on, you know, this is uh, an infringement on your First Amendment rights on 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 religious freedom. Um, so they, there are all kinds of lawsuits that are, are, that are flying around right now. And that is what I ultimately think will become, um, you know, difficult when you're actually trying to terminate someone. Um, you know, as far as medical, um, reasoning and the success there, I mean, most major medical associations have seen great success with this and they, they think mandates overall are, are necessary, and they are looking at the the mandates that are like the VAs as you know, holding them up as this is what employers should do because it 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 incentivizes people ultimately to get vaccinated and protect against um, infection themselves, but other people um, and the public. It's interesting looking at your reporting on the VA because since it was sort of the first um, with this, it's kind of a microcosm of what could come from broader mandates like President Biden's rule for private businesses. Um, You mentioned 
legal trouble already. I know this broader rule of President Biden's has already faced some significant legal problems. Um, what is the latest there? What's going on there with that? You know, as I said, it's it's um, it's sort of swimming in, in this <laughs> this legal limbo right now. Mm-hmm. So with with the private businesses, they just extended the deadline. So instead of December 8th, with a lot of these businesses having to show some kind of proof of vaccination or that they have made a first solid step in requiring people to do so. They they extended that to January 4th. And that was in part, and we've written a lot about this, that was in part because of major companies like FedEx and UPS and Amazon saying, hey, the holidays are coming. We are also facing the greatest shortage in workforce in, in years. And now we have to somehow go through this logistical, what they have called a logistical nightmare for them of having tens of thousands, I mean, tens of thousands of workers for all of these, hundreds of thousands of workers for all of those companies that are, a lot of them are temporary workers. I mean, there's just, they say that there were so many legal hurdles and they were feared that just having a vaccine mandate would push away workers at a time when, you know, the labor force is, you know, there's a labor shortage. That means they can go wherever they want. Where, where you know, so why why deal with that? Um, so that's um, that's a lot of what they were dealing with. Federal contractors, I mean, and and that is when you see like UPS and FedEx and and Amazon because they, you know, interestingly, part of what they do is they ship vaccines. Hmm. So they're, you know, this necessary service at the same time, they're worried they won't have enough workers to ship vaccines because of a vaccine mandate. Um, So the bottom line here is that there are so many logistical, legal, um, and political hurdles. Um, This is going to take a long time. And, And what we were trying to show in this VA story is that yeah, the numbers look look high. And actually, you know, one thing I want to stress is that, the, you know, the VA is playing with numbers here. You know, they're telling us 90% compliance even. And, and in, within that 90% are unvaccinated people, but they won't tell us how many. So we don't really know that number. Um, so the point being, there's tens of thousands of people within the federal government, despite a mandate, and despite the fact that some of them, many of them, we don't know how many, are probably working with the public who are still unvaccinated. And, you know, this is more than a month after the deadline. So it's a big legal entanglement. Um, Will it ultimately mean the numbers go up? It probably will. It probably will mean that. What about unions? Unions. So that's an interesting one. <laughs> it depends on what the which union it is, right? Uh-huh. Um, you, you've had the National National Nurses United involved. You've had all kinds of different unions involved. I mean, I won't even start n- naming them all, but um, you know, I would say for the most part, um, they are supportive of of having some kind of vaccine requirement. Um, they 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 support their workforces getting the vaccine. However, what happened this week was. Um, after the federal mandate was extended, the deadline was extended for federal contractors, union workers of federal union, unions of federal workers said, hey, that's not fair. You can't give them more time, but not give your federal workers more time. Um, you're giving outside companies preference over us. So now they're sort of and we, we you know, we sort this out in our story, but it, and now you have unions representing federal workers who are employees of the government who are saying it's not, you know, that's not fair. We need more time to, we need until January. All the while you still have, you know, this pandemic that's wreaking havoc across the country, 
the numbers are going down. Um, and I think what a lot of these these companies are hoping is that if the numbers go down enough by next year, that the government might loosen up on some of these mandates. You're a White House correspondent, um, not a health reporter, but this is such an interesting point where politics, policy, the legal system, I mean, even religion, all of that meet in a kind of messy, real world way. I'm just curious, what have you found most fascinating about reporting this story? I think what I find fascinating, actually, is the um, the aspect of the religious exceptions. And it's something I hope to dig into a little bit more. Um, I think the government knows that it's it's getting into a, a really, really uh, dicey area there um, if they deny these. However, you've had people like McDonough say, if you're dealing with a patient and you're in the oncology unit, um, how can we possibly allow you to be unvaccinated? Um, so there's going to be a lot of different fights that happen there. Um, I think ultimately it will be fascinating to see how each department is handling this in a different way. Um, that's one. The other big takeaway, I think, is, you know, the politics of this. You know, I, I think when Biden came out, in, you know, with great fanfare in September saying, I am going to dictate to you that you must get vaccinated. I'm going to require the federal workforce to do it. I'm going to require the private workforce to do it. Well, it's almost as if they don't really care what ends up happening he needed to message that. He thought he needed to message that because it would force people to do it regardless of whether he wins or loses in court. It's okay. it's as if he he wanted to do it for political reasons because one his numbers were very <laughs> were struggling at the time and part of that was because Delta was was raging and he hadn't gotten in front of it. But the other there, there was a public health standpoint. Um there was a public health aspect to that which was you know, by just messaging that, by just saying it and, and saying that you're required, the White House believed that alone was going to urge a ton of people to end up going and getting shots if they hadn't or make sure that they're proving that they didn't and that ultimately the numbers would go up. Whatever happens in court, whatever kinds of political backlash there is, um, that that ultimately was his end goal, was to get the vaccination numbers way up. And, you know, that might be what ends up happening here. He may lose in court, but he may ultimately win um, when you look at how many people ended up getting vaccinated. The federal government workforce, you know, by the way, is enormous. It's in the millions. And if you look at federal contractors in the millions, private workforces, again, so that's a sizable chunk of the population. If you can, if you can get even a part of that chunk to get vaccinated who otherwise would not have, that goes a long way to helping his end goal, which is eradicating uh, COVID to the point that he can um, going into 2022. All right, that's the show for this week. I'm Jeremy Siegel, and big thanks to Natasha Karecki from our White House team for joining me. If you want to stay up on all of our latest reporting on the coronavirus pandemic, be sure to sign up for the Politico Pulse newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every morning. You can find that at politico.com slash newsletters and subscribe to this show, Pulse Check, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, leave us a rating and review. Pulse Check's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan. Our senior producer is Jenny Ament. And our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Thanks so much for listening. 
ってもいいですよ。